Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Here we go, another episode of Believe in Horse Racing with Ken Rudolph. This episode is one that I've been waiting to do for more than 20 years. Horse racing is really an exciting, really invigorating game. And at this time, this really critical and pivotal time in our country's history, you need distractions, right? You look outside your window and your city might be burning. You look next door and your neighbor might not be happy with you because of the way that maybe you have or have not gotten along. So you look for a distraction in sports. Horse racing is all you have. Well, if you're African-American in this country and you go to the distraction of horse racing, you are painfully reminded of everything that you deal with in society because black horse players are not represented. They are not respected by the industry. So today, we're having this conversation with three other black horse players who've been doing this longer than I have. They're just regular people out there who like to play. But they notice that when they go to the track or when they watch racing on TV, there's no representation for them. There's no appreciation for them. So in this episode, we're talking about those things. And we really want you to be a part of it and listen to what these men have to say. And when you encounter them again in social media, hopefully you'll be able to strike up a meaningful conversation and lead to a a place of greater understanding. It was uh, when I seen that uh, mine at Bird, you know, yeah. won the, the Derby at 50 to one and, you know, and I put it into like a, in a perspective of, hey, if I would have put $5 down, that would have been to a $250 <laughs> profit. And then that's when I really started getting interested, like, oh, how can I get in on this? Right. And so the thing about that is we're all human, right? Everybody kind of functions on the same level. You see something like that, you're like, wait a minute, that's interesting. But for some strange reason, it's not marketed to us. Uh, not at all it's kind of like the whole thing with the flag like a lot of people were saying that the comments by drew Brees, which a lot of people have said since beginning the even before the kaepernick protest but obviously it came to light during that that you're disrespecting the flag and someone said they act as if we don't have any grandfathers and great-grandfathers that fought on those wars too right next to them you can't possibly think that you know, everybody sees the flag the same way he does, or the anthem, or, or this country even. I mean, just in general. So, you know, especially at a time when it's really apparent, you know, like, I don't, I don't think it's ever been more clear what Kaepernick's message was right. than right now. And then he's still going to go out and say that. You know what I mean? So he's got some soul searching to do. You jumped right in the middle of this conversation. Uh, This is Believe in Horse Racing. I'm Ken Rudolph. This is a show I've been trying to do for 20 years. You guys know I came into horse racing via the network TVG back in 1999. The only African-American man, the only black man doing this horse racing thing on television in the country. I feel like it's still that way. Not supposed to be. I'm joined by three other horse players who are all outstanding black men. I'm joined by Gordon Camps in Chicago, Christopher Higgins in Atlanta, Georgia, Barry Spears in Florida. Brothers, hello. What's going on? 
What's going on? Hey, Ken. What's going on, man? Everything is going on, people. Everything is going on. So I called you guys together. I called this meeting. <laughs> I called this meeting of the, of the horse playing brotherhood just to kind of get a feel for everything that is happening. Obviously, we are in a very, a really pivotal time right now. It is critical. And you can tell by the things that are happening every day just outside your window. And you guys live in different parts of the country, so you see different things. And then you bring that to the one place where we all meet every single day, social media, via Twitter. Oh, yeah. And when we've been doing this for a while, we've always talked, and I haven't necessarily known you guys before, but I know I've done this. I've exchanged my views on how I feel about this country and my place in it and my family's place in it. We've all shared that stuff for years, but now it seems like it's all taken a different tone. And I kind of wanted to check in with you guys to find out what you're getting back now from the things that you've put out as far as politics and more importantly about racism. Barry in Florida. Well, I, I, I've picked up a lot. I mean, honestly, as, as far as like being a horse player and on Twitter, I feel like this conversation that I've been having over and over and over again um, with a lot of people on Twitter is finally now uh, being taken seriously. Um, people are asking me questions through DM. People are, are, are showing support for things that I've brought up so many times in the past. And I don't know whether they ignored it or didn't feel comfortable enough to speak out um, but I see people stepping up, which is a good thing. Um, you know, as far as the real world, um, it's good to see that a lot of people, um, younger, uh, of all diverse backgrounds are all unifying under this George Floyd issue. And it's just too bad that he had to lose his life for this to come together. But you know, sometimes there's, there's things that happen for a reason and, and it's, it's just an unfortunate situation. Christopher in Atlanta. Yeah, I, you know, I agree with Barry along the same lines. People have been more receptive to things that we've talked about together, Barry and myself, for quite a while. So people are more open to listening to things just because of, you know, unfortunately of the incident with George Floyd. Um, and it's great to see the, the unification of all these people, young, old, people from all different races and background, um, you know, professional athletes, you know, everyone getting involved and, you know, bringing attention to this, not just the George Floyd thing, but race relations in the United States overall, you know, and to go even a little bit further, now I'm seeing how it also impacts the sports that I love, which is horse racing, and you know, trying to take a, a, a wider lens into horse racing and see, you know, how can we improve the race relation in horse racing? Because, you know, that there's a problem, even in, 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 the, in the sports that I love so much, not just even from a gambler, perspective just from a person who love horse racing as a fan as a as a sport you know i you know I've, i'm seeing the impact that race is having even in that um venue gordon in chicago N not to be the the, the negative uh, person here but you know it's just we we have so 
so far to go. And, you know, I just appreciate them and you too, Ken, for just, you know, calling people out uh, because we, we just we have so far to go. And, you know, I've been just so on one hand, I've been just disappointed in a lot of some of our fellow uh, horse players, their reactions to, you know, what they've seen and, uh, you know, their comments and, you know, what they have liked, you know, I'll put that into um, parentheses, you know, uh, what they've liked on Twitter in regards to some of the actions oh, yeah. that have been mm-hmm. going on. Oh, yeah. That's the one thing that's so interesting about, you know, social media. And the, the reason why it was it's so dangerous or it had been really dangerous. And, and I want to explain that from a perspective of a person that was working in news and you're part of a corporate entity. And so everyone is watching whatever you tweet. So you mm-hmm. don't have the freedom to just maybe say something that expresses how you feel about something without that entity saying, well, no, you're representing us. You can't say that. Right. And so right. I've, all, I've always felt like it's extremely one-sided in the sense that when we say things, and they may be provocative because we are trying to be heard or because we're frustrated because we've been doing this for so long, they're immediately uncomfortable and they're immediately offended and then they silence that. But if it, then it seems like people from the other side, and we'll just be blunt, white people are able to express their opinions and they're not silenced. Right. And so now you're watching these people who are responding, like you said, they're liking these things. You see, hey man, that's, that's kind of borderline. Why, why are right. you like that? And, have you, and when you've engaged people, have you found, I know Barry, I know that you've had some encounters <laughs> and the thing about it, everybody here has a different approach. Like we never back down, but we all have a different approach. We're all very, very patient. We're all trying to have a conversation. We're looking forward to connecting with you. But what's been happening with you, Barry, and some of the, the exchanges that you've had on social media? Um, it, it's kind of hit or miss. I mean, I, I have a decent amount of followers, I guess. And half the time it's, it's positive people, you know, saying you know we support you we support uh this whole movement um which is a great thing and then every once in a while you get this person that just wants to 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 say but you know (laughs) oh that's all good but and and it's very frustrating i can tell you that i mean i'm sure anybody that follows me on twitter can tell that i'm frustrated with a lot of the things that is said to me or that i see um and there's really no place for it, but I will call people out. I mean, I'm, I'm, I take the more direct approach. I, you know, it's kind of one of the reasons why I kind of step back from pursuing more in horse racing was because I didn't think I was going to be able to speak freely. Um, and I and I like the the position that I play because I, I you know, obviously, I'm not really in the industry. I play horses. People know that I play horses. I, I, I've made a lot of good relationships with a lot of people inside the industry. But at the same time, I'm far enough away where I can speak freely on any subject I want. 
you have the autonomy. I, I, yeah. I, I don't. I don't like being constrained in that regard. You know, obviously, if 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 I was working in the industry, I'd, I'd have to pull back and tone it down. You but think? At, at least in this stage, <laughs> at, at least at this stage of my life and 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 my position, you know, within the horse racing sector, I can do both, and and, and it's really you know really good for me to do that because I I don't think a lot of these horse players have been exposed to a lot of black people and don't understand what their words right. and what they're doing and saying. So I, I, I like to be that person that they can at least see from the outside, even if they don't react to what I'm saying, but I do a lot of those things and I quote tweet people so others can see it and maybe they can learn from it. Christopher. Um, you know, since I've been on Twitter and since I've, you know, gotten into the tweeting out my pics and getting to know people. And um, I've seen over the years just how certain viewpoints are. And I've had some encounters with some people. And as a result, I've decided not even to get into a back and forth with them because I already know their viewpoints. So, you know, I've just gotten settled into my little comfort zone where I'm just tweeting the pics and then this week or in the last two weeks everything changed and it's like the, the, the Chris that started on Twitter a few years ago and um, you know challenging people's viewpoints like wait a minute when, when Obama was president you guys said such and such and you know no and people said such and such and no one defended that and now that people made little, little remarks or have an opinion about the current situation we're in, you know, everyone has a voice. Well, maybe you shouldn't say this. And I've, I have, I've learned to pull back as a result of how people have reacted in the past to things that I've said and, you know, and tweeted. So I've, you know, I've learned to pull back and, you know, I, I wanted to ask you about that. Cause I feel like you were like that when I reached out to you, uh -huh. I feel like you were apprehensive to engage with me and I feel like it's taken me a little while to get you to actually respond to me when I tweet to you. You will like it, but you won't say anything back. <laughs> but now you've been saying stuff back like the last week or so. Is that part of that whole, uh, I guess, evolution that you were talking about? It is part. I mean, they're, they're, you know, like Barry and Gordon, I'm, you know, totally comfortable with those guys. And, um, you know, Gordon doesn't tweet as much as Barry, but, you know, what are you trying to say? Nobody I, tweets. I'm, as much saying, as I'm just saying that Barry's a very <laughs> Barry's, not, Barry's, Barry's a got very, stock in Twitter. Barry's a very active Twitter person. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know, and um, probably too active. No, never too active. You know, and you know, I, and I've DM'd him and you know, message him about things in the past, how I felt about things and whatever, and you know, just it's. I mean, we're, we're all in this horse racing community. And I know that it's not everyone is going to have the same viewpoint. It would be boring if everyone had the same viewpoint within our little venue that we operate in. But at the same right. time, I think some of us are afforded the opportunity to have certain feelings and certain thoughts. And, we can, and they can say it and express it. And I think others are um, have to, you know, 
toe the line and watch what they say and do. You know, this person's going on. You know how many followers I lost this in the last two weeks? <laughs> you know how many people that unfollowed me in the last um, couple of weeks as a result of things I've said uh, pertaining to Mr. Floyd's debt or about um, um, race relations in, 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 in horse racing and, and just how you know, horse racing, the sport of horse racing is, a, is, is a, a little reflection of the bigger world that we live in. And, um, you know, so, you know, a lot of people have um, divorced me on, um, on Twitter, <laughs> you know, as a result of that. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it because I have my little niche that yeah. I'm really cool with. And, exactly. I'm, and I'm good. Gordon. You know, I can definitely... Uh, confirm that you know I've been apprehensive about what I say um, because you know my page is public, so anyone can can come on. And you know I work at the you know what's considered the number one hospital in Chicago. You know, definitely uh, you know right up there, one of the biggest hospitals in Chicago. Yeah. And so you know I wasn't sure. You know what I could say or couldn't say without someone potentially, you know, doxing me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's what they say in the social media world. You know, you get doxed if uh, you, you know, you say something and they're trying to find out your employer's information and report your tweets or whatever you may be saying. So, you know, I, I was a little apprehensive, and then you know when I seen Chris and and Barry kind of step up to the plate. And, you know, I just felt like, you know what, well, I'm I'm going to support my brothers and join them. And, you know, if someone has something to say, so be it. Right. right. And the thing about it is there's not one of you that is saying anything that's threatening or inflammatory. Right. There's not not one of us has tweeted. That's it, everybody. Go get your weapons. Go get your rifles. We're going to meet you in the middle of the street. Why they got to die? Oh, Jesus. Like nobody said no. that. No. Right. No. Like we're not doing that. All we're saying is, hey, player, and my experience is different than yours. Can you right. can you can you acknowledge the fact that we are not the same? Can you please acknowledge that we are not the same? And can you please see that I'm black and see that my experience is different and then behave accordingly? That's what we're asking. Now, how is that threatening? How is that inflammatory? And I'm like, I don't understand why it's so offensive, so to speak, to them when we ask for <laughs> considerations. Because it goes back to exactly. your place. You have to know your place. Yeah, it's ingrained in society that way, and people are used to doing it. Um, that I think that's the major problem. And, and honestly, I don't think uh, many people realize what they're saying and doing all the time. So, you know, it's hard for me to hate somebody or, you know, or hate anybody for that matter, but, or not like somebody because half the time, I don't think they know what they're saying or doing. And it takes several conversations good, bad, or otherwise, that may bring that to a hilt and, and, and have someone really understand. But that's really difficult on, on, on a on social media platform because if Twitter works so fast, um, you only have a certain amount of characters to use. 
and it's not like talking to somebody on the street. And that works the other way as well, where people can hide behind their Twitter account and take jabs at you from a from a separate account that they just made an email address for and 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 it's it's just so it's like it's like walking through a field of snakes. Right. Honestly. That stuff's too complicated for me. Oof. Right. And also people people feel comfortable with people that they know. You know, they're they're you're 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 comfortable with what you're familiar with, you know? Right. And um I think if you have not exposed yourself to other people, other cultures, mm-hmm. then it's hard for you to um, see another person, you know, not to say as a human being, but to see another person as your equal because you haven't exposed yourself to them. You haven't seen that person like, oh, that person's really smart. That person has, a, has great ideas. You know, um, maybe I should give them another listen and, or get to know them better. I, you know, so I think that's where a lot of, a lot of us have issues is that for me, I mean, I've always extended myself to all cultures, whether it's before I got married, whether it's who I dated, um, um, the, the type of music that I've always been involved with. Just my circle has always been outside of Jamaicans or black Americans or whatever. It's, it's, it's always been a wider net. So I have a, a, a easier time you know, understanding or befriending or understanding where someone is coming from in their viewpoints because I've extended myself in that way. I, I, I just don't think some people have extended themselves in that way or do they, or they even care to. Right. And, yeah. And, and that's where the issues lie. That's so true because, you know, as, as black men and black people in America, you're forced to deal with the culture or uh, habits, so on and so forth, of the majority. Yep. It doesn't work the other way. They have to make an effort right. to do it, and mm-hmm. that's that's where a lot of the difference comes in. Is we have to assimilate. I mean, we code switch. We we have jobs. Uh, we have to deal with the, you know, the other half, um, on a on a daily basis. So yep. there's things that we have to do and learn in order to uh, keep ourselves and our lives comfortable. It doesn't work the other way. Um, you know, it, it, they don't have to do that to us because we don't have the power that they do. Right. Yeah, I mean, just to just to piggyback off of that, a real quick uh, story. It's so funny that you, you mentioned that, Barry. Uh, so Ken, he emailed me and he asked, you know, how do I uh, pronounce my, my first name? And, uh, you know, I told him that, you know, I go by Gordon which is my middle name. And uh, the reason that I go by Gordon is because my first name, Leon, is so hard for people to pronounce. Uh, and, you know, they see it, they want to call me Leon, or, you know, they, uh, <laughs> they, they may mistake me for a Hispanic person. Uh, and so it just got to a point where I just got so frustrated that I said, you know, I'm just going to go by my middle name, Gordon. It's a lot easier, a lot more common uh you know that way we don't have to worry about you know getting my name butchered so i mean that's just a perfect example of what you're referring to right there yeah yeah leon you could have told me that man (laughs) (laughs) the weird thing about it christopher you mentioned it as soon as we kind of start talking everyone knows it's the elephant in the room it's you know and 
we talked about it a little bit on Twitter uh, this week, is that there's a beautiful, rich, deep history for African-Americans in horse racing in this country and in other countries as well, but specifically here in this country. But yeah, you would not know that if you're right. watching racing or listening to anybody talk about racing or going to the track, you would never get any feeling that, man, we started this. And oh, yeah. the reason why I even took the job at TVG, I had no idea what was happening. And I said, I need to go. They offered all the contracts and I was like, I don't even really know what this is. Let me go to the track. So I went to Hollywood Park on a Friday. Oh, and then man, I looked right, all, right in Inglewood, California, and all I saw was us. And I was like, I do belong here. I got a reason to stay. I got a reason to figure this out. Now, during the course of my time, I was like, I couldn't really figure it out. How am I going to assert myself and let my people know that I'm here for them? And I have to admit, there are certain parts of TVG where they tried. They were like, we want you to go to Barbados for us. I'm like, hey, thank you. Thank you for helping me make that connection to show people that there are these beautiful people that look like me that love this sport and they originated this thing. They know more about this than you do. Right. But then you have situations like that, something that happened this week and it's, it's kind of a microcosm of what we talk about. You guys all saw this. The folks at Naira and the jockeys came out and they did two separate tributes. But the PA announcer at the track at Belmont only announced that they were doing something to honor individuals, I believe, uh, healthcare workers, COVID-19 uh, victims, and I forgot the other thing. And then, are you guys aware of this? The jockeys took a knee. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. Indeed. Now, on Twitter, they tweeted out the picture and everything, the video of the jockeys honoring the first responders, medical uh, health care workers and COVID-19 victims. It wasn't until another five hours later that they tweeted out the picture of the jockeys taking a knee in tribute to George Floyd. That right there was a microcosm of where we stand in horse racing. You guys saw that? Yeah, and it's and it yeah. and it's they it's it's you know Ken, you're in the industry. I'm I'm a dude on the outside just tweeting pics, you know. Right. Um, but it's about bottom line and about who they think are the, you know, the the the, the one that's driving the sport, you know. Uh, and unfortunately, I don't think they have an idea who's really driving the sport. So they are going to do everything to cater to that um that group that bottom line, and try not to um you know, not try, try not to offend them. You know, I, you know, that's how I, I saw right. it. And, you know, you know, everybody, it's a money-making business, man. I mean, we love the horses. We, we, we root for the horses. Some of us have favorite horses, favorite jockeys. And, you know, right. you can't say anything about Joel Rosario to me. That's my, <laughs> my, that's my, my boy. Horses. That's my man. You know, but at the same time, you know, I, I know, I, I know it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a money thing and, you know, um, people want to protect their bottom line and stuff like that. And but we spend money. We, sp we spend There are a lot of us oh, that, yeah. that play. I mean, I know that we're not the majority of the population and maybe even not the majority of the horse racing population, but, but, but man, we, there are a lot of us. Well, Ken, we spend money, but we, you know, we spend money and we, you go to Aqueduct on a, on a, on a, you know, when they had inner tracks or whatever. Yeah. And you see nothing but Caribbean people all over the yep, place, yep. but we're in, we're not the ones that are putting the, the 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 stock on the track, and I think that's where the that's where the problem is. Is like 
we we can go to the windows and you know we can we're 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 vocal at the track and we're shouting and rooting the the, the horses and jocks home, but you know we're not the ones that you see in Keeneland buying you know the 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 the, the hundred thousand the, the the million dollar horses you know yeah but you do see that we are the person that's bringing that horse out. And we are the man, oh, that, yeah. right? Yeah. We are the man that's in, that's that horse has been entrusted to to take care the, of. We are absolutely. the experience. We are the legacy. Like absolutely. every time we would show the sales on TVG, I'd be like, "Wait a minute, what? Who was that brother there? Wait a minute, who, who's that brother over there?" And I didn't know. And they acted like those people were invisible, like we weren't part of this entire legacy. We are Ken. Exactly. We are Ken. Is no. we don't own, we don't own the restaurant, bro. We don't. Right. Own, right. We're just serving the meals. Well, know? one thing, one thing that that stands out to me is, you know, um, is that there there really isn't much representation on those executive boards of, of, of racetracks, which kind of filters down into like on air talent at tracks. I, I mean, I I go to Gulfstream Park and it's a pretty diverse place. I mean, you you got everybody down there. Yeah, and. Uh, I see, I, I see other tracks like Naira, and, and there's there's not one black person as a public handicapper. I don't think anywhere in the country. But but Ken, to go along with what Barry's saying, though, you know, from the executive boards to um, you know people you see on air, I mean, outside of you, I mean, outside of you, there is, it's nowhere to be seen. Yep. Nowhere to be seen, and. You know, when you look at a, 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 a telecast with, we're talking about the Kentucky Derby or the Triple Crown and all the reporters, on-site reporters and, and, and everyone that's involved, I'm like, if you guys want to make this sport more inclusive, you can, um, you can find someone because horse racing is just like a sports commentator in a sense where, you know, someone can go from being um a person personnel on a on a morning show to becoming a horse 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 racing um 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 talent you know talent yeah they, they just need to be brief into the yeah what horse racing is about yeah you, you can train anyone to do the job especially if they already have the, the chops to do interviews and and the sorts you know so, yeah oh we got the chops all right we pick winners right you know, that's one of the things that was, you guys are unbelievable, man. Like, I, <laughs> I'll be, I'm watching you guys and I'm like, where are these guys getting all of this knowledge? But I think the beauty of, of talking to you guys and watching you guys and following your picks is that it's, it, it does come from completely different perspectives. You guys all learn the game in different ways in different places. Right. And then you bring that to every single race. And yeah, sometimes we're going to be completely off. But man, I haven't really seen any races where you guys are just like completely off. Uh, you guys are incredible. I mean, uh, I love the fact that there's a, a core of, and it's not just you guys. There's a lot of black people out there that love to play and they can get down and they are smart. But I have to admit, what you guys just mentioned, that's the one thing that really offends me. And um, TVG has been very good to me. I've been loyal and supportive to them. When I left for eight years, I still supported them when I was at CBS and they were good to me. When I decided to come back, they were the first ones to call me and be like, do you want to come back? Right. And I was like, yeah, maybe, what you want to do? <laughs> um, but they've always been good to me. And so the reason why I was like, maybe, what do you want to do? Was the fact that I told 
Kevin Grigsby, who is now the vice president and executive producer of the television of TVG, I was like, you never even tried, even faked it that you were going to replace me with somebody else of diversity. You didn't even fake it. Nope. You didn't even go try to look for anybody. Like there's people out there. And so I didn't know if I wanted to come back to that. And he's a good guy. And he was like, yeah, man, we, we have not been doing what we need to be doing in that area. And so I, I appreciated that. And he knows how to deal with me. And so he made me feel comfortable and respected and protected if I came back. And so I, I appreciated that. But I still felt like they missed an opportunity. And so that's kind of why I've been reaching out to you guys to find ways to, to bring people in. But I want to take you guys back to something that happened a while back that only happened to me because I'm the only one. Does anyone remember the mute Rudolph story? No. No, no, no. Okay, so I left TVG in 2011, but in 2009, 2010, there was an owner and they bought a horse, it was a two-year-old, and they named the horse Mute Rudolph, as in the mute button on your remote control, M-U-T-E, and then they made sure that the last name was spelled like mine. You know my last name is very unique. It has two U's in it. Right. So that horse had my name on it. Wow. That horse debuted in my hometown of Sacramento, California. Now, here's the controversy. Uh -huh. They, for whatever reason, the silks of the owner, they were not ready. So they had to get new silks. They asked for another owner's silks. That owner's silks had the Confederate flag on the back of it. Man, get oh, out of here. Get out of oh, here. No. Oh, man. Oh. Uh, are you serious? I am serious. You can look it up, brother. You get on your computer and Google Mute Rudolph CHRB, and you will find all this information, sir. Wow. Now, I have never said a word about this ever because I was sitting at my home on my couch because I was off TVG that day and we were doing racing from the Cal Expo Fair in Sacramento, California, my hometown. And I saw this post parade and I was like, what the? Because I know my name and I'm like, <laughs> I know these fools are not make messing with me. Come on, man. Now here's the weirdest part of all guys. The horse went off at a price. Now I'm a horse player and I say to myself, I know that these knuckleheads are messing with me, but I'm gonna take this money. This horse is a price and I know he's about to win just because that's what the, the gods had in store. I was like, I know this is about to win because so it, it can try to humiliate me and embarrass me, but I'm gonna take your money. So I bet the horse and the horse won. <laughs> but it came back around TVG and our old boss, Tony Olivato, who now works with Naira, he took it all the way to the end and he, handled everything, I never said anything, and they made sure they found out what happened, and the individuals involved were punished, and uh, they were suspended, and other things happened. Really? Wow. But my thing about that was always, the number one rule in the Jockey Club rule book about naming a horse is that you cannot intentionally name a horse after someone who is a public figure who is still alive with the intention of embarrassing or humiliating them. What in the hell else was Mute Rudolph supposed to do? Wow. Right? It was put there intentionally to try to mess with me. And so when they say, you know, well, we're all equal and we don't have any discrimination, anybody's welcome, I direct everybody to that.
Wow, Man. that's a beast. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I remember the first I'm, time I when I went back home to, to work in the news in Sacramento, then uh, I went back there to anchor the news for CBS. But I'm still I appreciate horse racing. And so I went to go do a story at Cal Expo. And the lady in charge, first thing she said to me was, Ken, I want to apologize on the behalf of our entire track uh, for that mute Rudolph nonsense. I'm so sorry that happened. We had no idea. And I was like, I appreciate that. Thank you. But everybody knew, you know, it happened. And it's just one of those things where I'm just like, man, come on. For the fact that any any fact that any owner would have silks with the Confederate flag to me is like, come on, man. That's, that's exactly what I, what I was going to ask you. Confederate flag silks. <laughs> <laughs> there's one. There's one owner that has them at Laurel. Uh, in no the Mid Atlantic area, yeah, I, I've seen them before several times. I, I I haven't caught up with the name of the stable, but I've seen it. That's ridiculous. Oh, I got a beef. I got a bone to pick with all three of you, by the way. And I told you guys uh -oh. this on Twitter, especially you, Barry, because you knew me. How come nobody told me Deshaun Parker was so fantastic? <laughs> Are you serious, bro? How did you not know this? I was gone, man. He dominated Mountaineer for years. Yeah. And the only, yeah. Reason, yeah, the exactly. only reason why Deshaun has not won the Eclipse Award for best jock is because he doesn't win grade ones. Because he yeah. doesn't get a chance to ride in grade ones. So right. Yeah, he Deshaun, wins a lot of races. He, he wins yeah. a lot of races every year. He was, he was leading jockey for, for a few years. We have, a, we have a few of them in the sport that's pretty good, man. Deshaun is consistent, especially when he's at Sam Houston in those parks. You know, he's really good. Yep. Carmouche, when he gets, he does oh. a good one. He's great on the lead. I love Kenny yeah. Carmouche on the lead. Oh, oh man. Good. Yeah. He won that race yep. today. Oh, my, don't get me started. Okay. And, and that little bug boy in New York got, you know, keep our fingers crossed. He, he doesn't get another bad injury like he did at Gulfstream a few months back, but Romero, oh, my boy Romero. Mirage is going to be something. He's you know, better than Rajiv? Yeah. Oh, Romero's better than Rajiv, bro. Really? Yeah, he's he a, a, he's a really accident. young kid. I, I met him at the Pegasus. Um, he's a really nice young kid. Uh, I, I don't think he's even 20 yet. No. Um, but he, he's, a, he's a real good kid, real, real good rider. He, he's he's going to be one to keep an eye on. All right, I'm getting ready to wrap this up, go. guys. Uh, quickly, um, favorite horse of all time? For me, it's Wise Dan. Uh, you know, he was the, the, the first horse that uh, I, I put $100 on him to win in uh, the Breeders' Cup. And, you know, that was a big deal. That was my first time ever putting, you know, three digits on the horse. So, I, yeah. you know, that was a big deal for me. And I put a hundred on him to win. It was only at eight to five, but still, you know, just the the, the rush of it and uh, the fact that you know he was just uh, just one of the best of all time. And in that particular race, you know, he came from you know he he, had, he was versatile. He could win on the front. He could he could stalk. Uh, so you know he could win on different surfaces. You know oh, yeah. he won on the dirt. He won you know and, but he was most known on the turf on the grass, but he mm -hmm. could have uh, went on the dirt as well. So he was he was my favorite of uh, of all time was Wise Dan. I got a nice framed picture of uh, Wise Dan with Johnny V's signature on it. That's a nice one. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice, somebody, nice. somebody blessed me with a, with a nice picture of him. Is that also your favorite horse of all time, Barry, or no? No, no. Mine is Bobby's Kitten. That's why my Twitter account has it up there. That's right. Um, uh, okay. I, hit, I hit that pick four that day um, in 2014 Breeders' Cup. Yep. I yep. hit the early pick four, and he was my single on that $24 ticket that came back 32000 Mm. So wow. him and Joel can never do anything wrong in my book. <laughs> they don't owe you anything, huh? Like Chris, Chris calls him the smooth operator. Chris calls him the smooth operator. That's my man. I mean, in fact, I was just uh, talking with my wife, and, and uh, we may be getting ready to move soon. And I said, if we get a dog, he's definitely going to be named Joel Rosario. We can call work. him JR whatever, but <laughs> his name's going to be Joel Rosario. That'll work. Christopher? There you go. I don't know if I, you know, I don't know if I have a favorite Ken, but uh, you know, if I, if I if I'm going back to YouTube to go watch some a horse over and over again, probably someone like Cigar or Rachel Alexander. Those are the two that really stuck out to me. That I, especially Rachel, I just you know I I, I loved her so, um, you know. But I, all right, so now we got to fight. That's uh, it. Well, now we got to fight because uh, you guys know who my favorite horse of all time is, right? Giacomo. Giacomo. No. Are you serious? What? No, I love Giacomo. That's my boy, but he's not my favorite all-time horse. My favorite all-time horse is Zenyatta. Come on. Oh. oh. Well, I mean, who, who was the better mirror? Who was the better mirror? Rachel was definitely the better mirror. But... Oh, hold on, hold on. See, now that's what I'm saying. Now we got. Now I got to cut you. Um, <laughs> I, I love that whole debate and it still rages on because it was so personal with everyone because the way the connections were, were based and the way that their running styles were and the surfaces and uh, that I just wish they would have run man I god I wish they would have raced and I don't care what would I would have accepted the outcome if Rachel would have beaten Zenyatta in a race I would have accepted it but they never had a chance to race never had a chance to race but in, in all fairness though I mean if you what Zenyatta did against Blame or almost beaten Blame in that Breeders' Cup, you know, um, and then coming back and winning the Breeders' you know, I mean, she's, uh, she, you know, she's amazing. She was pretty incredible. Well, I, I guess, do you get ma upset or, because or, I was upset with the connections that I really felt like both sides were kind of ducking the other. And I was like, man, if you guys are all about racing and what's best for racing, you need to make sure that you two meet up. Right. Exactly. But I felt like they weren't. Yeah. No, nah, it was kind of during the the synthetic track era too. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So you know, I don't I don't think the people that that owned uh, Rachel Alexander wanted to run on the synthetic at all. True, and, but Zenyatta went to Oakland, so they could have found a way to be like, you know what? We'll meet her at our track. We'll meet her at Oakland, and she's willing to go that far. We'll find a way to meet her there. I don't know. I just thought that they, they could have found. Yeah, it was it was a little of that too. You know what I mean? They they were like you said, trying to duck each other. But uh, funny thing is, the last time I was at Saratoga, which was in two thousand nine, right before I moved to Florida, and it was Woodward Day, um, so I was at the track when Rachel won the Woodward. It was one of the best races I've ever seen. Yo, here come the short shot. Here come the short shot. 
All right, here we go. Wrapping up this episode of Believe in Horse Racing with Ken Rudolph. I really want to thank my guest for helping me with this really special episode. I want to thank Barry in Florida. I want to thank Christopher in Georgia. And I want to thank Gordon in Chicago, Illinois, for being a part of our discussion. And I really, really hope that you take the time to hear what it is that we're trying to say and really try to engage us on social media. And together we can we can work toward, as I said before, a much a greater understanding of each other and make some more room for us in the world with you. All right, we kind of ease on into Long Shot Lounge. I let my guests go because our conversation ran way too long. But our guest, Gordon from Chicago, did leave us with a couple of really nice plays. Now, he's got one in race number four on the card at Belmont Park on Saturday. That's a maiden claiming event on the turf course. And he's going to go all the way to the outside. And it's a pretty smart pick. He takes the 11, Scotty Brown. Scotty Brown is the offspring of Big Brown. Going to be running on the turf course. But the cool thing about this horse is this horse has natural speed on the turf course. There's not much pace at all in this race. And the other really cool thing about the 11, Scotty Brown, is the jockey, Jose Lascano, is outstanding on the front end on, in turf races. So race number four from Belmont on Saturday, the 11, Scotty Brown. But the other horse that Gordon gave out that we all really agree upon and we really hope this works out because we think it's going to be a perfect setup, we're going to go to the Fort Marcy. It's a grade two event, mile and an eighth on the turf course, race number six from Belmont Park. On Saturday, the number one horse to the inside, Temple. Morning line, 10 to 1. Jorge Vargas is in the irons. We love the way he rides and he gets value. Best thing about it is you have one, two, three, four Chad Brown runners, a Pletcher runner, and a Christophe Clement runner. They will all take the money. That'll leave great value for us with the one, Temple, in race six at Belmont Park on Saturday. Do us a favor. Take a look at this particular episode. Rate it and review it. Subscribe. This is all courtesy of our kids at the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. This podcast, of course, you found it anywhere that you went to get your podcast. Please do us the favor and support us so we can keep moving forward. I'm Ken Rudolph. I'm going to see you next time. Let's get this money together. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.